For a short time, Jia Yun gazed at the paintings, calligraphic scrolls, and antiques which adorned the room. At the end of that time, as there was still no sign of tea leaf, he took a look outside to see if there was anyone else whom he could ask to take a message, but they had all gone off to play elsewhere. Dejectedly, he went back once more to wait. Tea leaf, a soft and thrilling voice was calling from outside. Craning out to look, he saw a young maid standing near the entrance to the study. She was a neat, pleasant looking girl with a pair of limpid, intelligent eyes. Seeing a strange man in the room, she quickly shrank back out of his line of vision. But at that very moment, Tea Leaf walked back into the courtyard. Jiayun goes on his merry way, he goes to get the money weighed, uh, to get the silver weighed, and it's exactly the amount that Niara had said it was. Um, and then he goes and he calls on uh, his wife, Niara's wife, to say, you know, he's going to be out all night and uh, send, the, send the daughter around in the morning. And then he returns home to his mother. Um, he, so having collected this money from the drunken diamond, Niara, um, Jia Yun goes home, um, and he grabs some dinner in, and he goes to sleep. The very next morning, he gets up early, he goes out to a different perfume shop, and he buys these things, the, the camphor and the musk that he was going to get from his uncle. And he puts them in a nice little presentation box, and he goes off to the, the mansion to see... Um, He's sort of playing a bit of a trick here. Not exactly playing a trick, but he's playing the game, you know? So he first checks that Jia Lian is out for the day. So he's not going to run into him by accident. And, you know, remember that the, the whole ruse relies on the fact that Jia Yun knows that there's a job available. Jia Lian knows that Jia Yun knows. But Wang Xifeng does not know that he knows. <clears throat> and so the presentation of the gift is intended to be just uh, uh, apparently disinterested mm -hmm. good gesture. I mean, which is you gotta wonder whether how could Shifeng not know that this is a, a kind of a not disinterested gift, given you know, she has to have a sense for like the monetary value of this gift, and she has to also have a sense for Jiayun's relatively low uh, sort of social and economic status. Uh, and so it is this like double, double fake, I think almost, but, uh, it seems to be executed pretty well. Right. So he, he finds her as she's about to, she's going somewhere. Right. Mm -hmm. And he sort of, uh, 
runs into her sort of as if fortuitously, right? Yeah. Um, she's she's surrounded by Hawk says a bevy of attendants. And you can very much imagine that, you know, like she's an extremely busy woman. She's very important within the household. And so there will be servants and you know, all sorts of different people trying to get her attention or being part of her kind of entourage. Mm. Um I can't imagine it was like a And coming coming and going. I was imagining sort of like a walk and talk like they do in like a, like an Aaron Sorkin sort oh, of yeah. uh, like <laughs> kind of like the West Wing or something. Yeah, it's uh. it is a bit like that, isn't it, right? It is a bit like that. Well well, well because she doesn't she doesn't stop moving. Uh-huh. Like even when she sees even when she like notes that Jia Yun is there, she doesn't mm-hmm. stop, right? So it, it's it's quite good, this section. I'll read a bit from the Hawks. Um, Jia Yun was well aware that Wang Shifeng had a weakness for flattery and the showier forms of deference. Bringing his hands together in an exaggerated salute and stepping briskly forward, he made her a tremendous bow and wished her in good health. Shifeng continued to walk on and without actually looking at him or turning her head, inquired after his mother's health and asked why she never came to visit. So, um, he, you know, he's making this ridiculously showy gesture and she just about mm-hmm. acknowledges it, but she doesn't actually look at him or even turn her head in his direction. Um, and so they're, they're chatting. Um, you know, she's asking after his mother. Uh, they're doing various kind of pleasantries. And he presents this concocted story of why he has this perfume and why he's offering it to her. So in his story, a family friend um, Mm -hmm. runs a a perfumery um, and decided to buy himself a government posting. Uh, Because obviously, you know, working as a government official in any capacity is likely to be very um, remunerative, a great way of making money. because I suppose it's basically tremendously corrupt. And uh, so having bought this posting, this imaginary fictional friend found out that the the posting was in uh, Yunnan province, which is like right down in the southwest of China. Anyway, thousands of miles from the capital. And because of this, he's shutting up shop and he sold what he could, but he still had some leftover um, supplies, some of which he gifted to Jia Yun. So Jia Yun himself contemplated selling it, um, decided it wasn't worthwhile, and so decided to make a gift of it to Xi Feng instead. And you know, would she would she like this um, this musk and this this um, camphor that he's just kind of getting rid of, you know? And uh, she accepts it. Um, it's unclear whether she at this moment is aware of the subtext. But she does accept it, and she seems at least mildly grateful. Mm. Um, it, it seems like he's solved a minor logistical problem for her in doing mm-hmm. this. You know, she was going to have to right. buy some anyway, um, and now, then I suppose that would have involved thinking about where to buy it from and how much and who to get it. And now it's just being presented to her <clears throat> on a silver platter. So uh, you know, yeah, I think I think she's grateful. I mean, it's um, not clear that uh, the text, the way the text reads, it's not clear that he absolutely needed to give this gift in order to get the tree planting job. Um, but maybe this sealed the deal. 
Uh, although at this point, she's actually unwilling to give him the job because it would seem too overtly transactional, right? And so, like, this, the whole kind of, like, gift economy yeah. is, like, it's transactions that disavow their status as transactions. Uh, so she has to delay it. Pre- right? Precisely. It's ostensibly altruistic, um, the exchange mm-hmm. of gifts. And so if she immediately says, thank you for the incense, now have a job, um, she feels that this would kind of cheapen the gift somehow or cheapen the gesture. Yeah, she would maybe like lose face in some capacity. I mean, when in fact that's exactly what, what he's hoping she'll do. Um, you know, right. but Because she makes, having received the gift, she says, you're very thoughtful. I'm not surprised your uncle, i.e. her husband's Jalian, speaks so highly of you. He's often told me what a well-spoken, sensible young man you are. And um, and that really gets Jia Yun's hopes up. And it's exactly at that moment that Wang Xifeng thinks, oh, you know, no, I would cheapen the gesture if I gave him this job. And this is the point that I wanted to focus on, because this is, I think, the bit where we really see the disconnect between her way and the way her way of seeing the world and you know the the worldview i guess of the very kind of wealthy nobility and the worldview of an ordinary person like jia yun so for her she's thinking you know it's a kind gift um don't make it too transactional don't cheapen the gesture better to absorb uh, better to observe some form of kind of propriety and he's thinking if i don't get this job i owe you know the drunken diamond, 15 tails of silver, and I've spent it all on bloody incense. Yeah. <laughs> and if I don't get a job, I have nothing to show for it, and I'm deeply in debt, you know, and I'm really going to be screwed. Uh, right. So this whole, yeah, this, this is kind of the, mm, this is definitely the social critique, I think, of this chapter, uh, is this sort of this artificiality, but also this kind of precarity Uh underlying these like ritual ostensibly ritual systems um and so yeah having having probably from his perspective it felt like there was a moment where she was considering giving the job and then it passed away in front of his eyes and um yeah you can i i get the impression he's probably working quite hard not to appear utterly sort of psychologically crushed by this (laughs) he's yeah he's the yeah the interaction was kind of unsatisfactory in the sense that like he didn't get the you know he's he's left on the hook he's sort of in suspense and so he's yeah (laughs) Hmm. uh and so later in the day after going home he he sort of i guess he has you know time to spare now you know there's nothing to do yet he's waiting for the resolution of this dilemma right and so he remembers that Bao Yu had ostensibly invited him uh to return and, and, and to spend the day yeah. uh of course he goes to so he returned to Bao Yu's residence and it's the usual scene where there's like a, a million different uh like servants and they're all just sort of like I imagine them like just sitting around smoking cigarettes, even though that's not like I know it's not actually what was going on, but that's the feel of the scene. A lot of people just sort of like uh, kind of lazing about, um, sort of you know in various states of uh, like dissolution, I guess. Um, 
and uh, like a few of them are Tea Leaf and, and Plowboy are arguing over um, a chess move. Uh, other a few of other ones are on the roof looking for in the hawks looking for fledglings. Mm. Um, yeah, they're 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 in the essentially yeah looking for baby birds right looking for young young sparrows right. I, uh, it's unclear. Or, or is that? Uh, yeah, whether they're looking for them as pets or as something to eat, I'm not sure exactly. But or maybe, or maybe the eggs, maybe. Oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah. It's tall xiao chuer, so xiao chuer being like small sparrows, baby sparrows, and tall being to kind of like to to pluck out or prize out somehow. Mm. You know, so maybe just for fun. Um, it sounds kind of fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, well, I mean, we know that since moving into the garden. You know, each one of the household, each one of the houses there was were given six additional servants on top of the ones they already had, um, and so I expect probably a fair number of them are a um, bit at a loose end. Simultaneously, though, none of them. There's a sense in this scene that, first of all, they just saw this guy the day before, um, and maybe they don't think too highly of him. Mm-hmm. It's clear that he's not an important guest. Uh, and so he comes again, and he's like borderline ignored, mm-hmm. is the impression I got. Uh, and he tries to like kind of assert himself, and, and the response is just yeah. to sort of um, they, they kind of vacate the scene. And so what what happens next? Um, okay, so what happens here is that uh, he's just sort of uh, he's just sort of like hanging around, you know, trying to figure out. It's a really awkward kind of scene. He's looking at. He's like treating the the house as kind of like a museum. He's he's looking around at the paintings and the various antiques. Um, and then there's yeah. Tea, tea leaf goes off to find Bayou to see if he can mm-hmm. you know if he's around. Um, there is kind of a really important scene, though where uh, he catches eye of a. I guess this is our first introduction to a new maid, effectively. Who had been stationed before uh, Bao Yu and the girls moved in, uh, and she was in charge of the uh, you know the House of Green Delights where Bao Yu lives. And so we haven't we haven't so this is a new character uh, in the Hawks. It's Crimson. Uh, in the original, it's Xiao Hong, uh, like literally like Little Red. And this is her like you know her first scene. Uh, and, and she seems to him um, attractive and, and pleasant looking. Uh, in the Hawks, is, she has a pair of limpid and intelligent eyes. Yeah. I think in the, in the original, it was Shui uh, Shui Ling Ling. So like water, um, water, spirit, spirit, basically. Yeah, like sort of like um, vivacious, maybe. Yeah. Full yeah. of life. Yeah. Uh, and before he sees her, he, he, in fact, he, he in fact hears her calling out because she's also looking for tea leaf um mm-hmm. and the way it refers to in the hawks he says a soft and thrilling voice um in chinese it's jiao yin nun yu so uh yin and yu are both like sound voice and jiao and nun uh are like um yeah they imply a kind of like a tenderness a freshness a softness i suppose um mm-hmm. so there's a there's a phrase um hong jiao lu which means like tender reds and delicate greens meaning like 
flower blossoms and and green leaves. Um, That's interesting. Uh, we also have seen this. We've also seen this like nun in like a in a poem that refers to the the flower buds on a tree, which have kind of like they're not quite yet blooming. You know, they're they're still kind of encased in a little. Oh, okay. Yeah, they they haven't quite, uh, and so that yeah, that nun very much implies a kind of uh, a, a, like a tender, gentle quality. Right, and and so she she observes uh, Jiayun, and she sort of um, withdraws herself. She kind of hides a little bit, um, mm. uh, unclear of the sort of the of, of you know who is this, you know who is this strange man? In effect, is the impression. Um, and so they kind of have like a little bit of a moment. Uh, she asserts herself a little bit more uh, when she's tasked with um, mm-hmm. giving Bao Yu the message that he has had a visitor. Um, but she says, you know, he's unlikely to be available for the rest of the day, right? She says, knowing him, uh, he didn't have his nap, so he'll be having dinner early. He doesn't normally go out after dinner. Um <laughs> You know, and in any case, that will mean Jiayun waiting all day with nothing to eat. And we, are we really going to make him make him starve? I, I think it's funny that he's just, he's portrayed as such a like a weak boy. Like he, he didn't have his nap, so he's definitely yeah. going to be yeah. crashing early tonight. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, and uh, and so yeah, so um, he she says you know it kind of makes more sense for for um, Jiayun to come back tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And so what happens, in effect, is this whole sequence of events is repeated, right? So he comes back the next day. Again, he runs into uh, Shifeng. And this time, she sort of um, kind of plays this game where, like, oh, you know, I, I know you, I know what you were doing yesterday. You know, I guess you're... Because you're, it's clear at this point, or at least it's, uh, it's explicit at this point, that uh, Jalian has, in fact... Uh, talked with her about about him and about his visit with uh, with with Jalian, um, and and so there's kind of an awkward moment that uh, Jiayun sort of I think deflects pretty well. He kind of has a way of navigating these kinds of loaded mm-hmm. uh, verbal situations, right? Yeah, so, so she says, oh, I see, you were just giving me the present to butter me up to get me to give you a job. Um, and he's saying, no, no, of course not, you know, I, you know, I was just, that was just a purely disinterested present. Uh, you know, if I wanted to get a job from you, why wouldn't I just have asked immediately after giving you the present kind of thing? So, <laughs> yes, you know, he, he instills that kind of seed of doubt. Uh-huh. Um, and she says, oh, well, okay, fine. Maybe we'll give you that job doing planting the trees in the garden. But to be honest, it's not really a very important job. Why don't you just wait a bit and we'll give you something. We can put you in charge of lanterns and fireworks at, at New Year. But we know at this point it's New Year is f- kind of February time. Right. And we're now uh, many months before that. Uh, they mentioned mid-autumn or even double fifth festival. So it's, you know... We, it's a long time. Timing is always a bit. Timing is always a bit unclear, but I think we're at least six months yeah. before. Um, right, the he needs to pay that loan back much sooner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she, he says, "Oh well, yeah, of course, but you know, why not give me this little job to see if I'm any good? You know, let me, you know, just <laughs> see if I'm up to scratch." 
little thing like this and then yeah maybe something bigger down the road and so she says okay fine and yeah he he finally gets his hands on some money um and you know this little job ends up being worth uh at least one payment of 200 tails of silver which is a huge amount of money i, I don't know if this is her like if this is like shifang's like having no sense of is she pull is she like you know is this like the like the the ching equivalent of being like what's how much does a banana cost? Yeah. What ten dollars? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of like having no sense for. Uh, I, I was a little kind of. Um, I, yeah, it's it's kind of funny. I, it's, it's unclear there. Um, I, I think so, right? Because we when we see what he does with it, he goes back and repays the money that the drunken diamond lent him, and then he takes fifty of the two hundred, and goes to a a kind of mm-hmm. plant a plant nursery, and buys all kinds of trees. And then what? Presumably, he'll need to pay something for transportation and mm-hmm. and labor to actually get them planted. Yeah, but but, but yeah, we think most of that two hundred is probably going straight into his pocket, or a very sizable chunk of it. Yeah, yeah. So it's a good, it's a good kind of like a, you know, it's, it's like getting a government job, and and you know, it's gonna uh, because it's it's basically this is this whole household is like a private government. Yeah. Right, that's why they have their own like monetary system. In fact. Right, with these slightly, I suppose, kind of bloated contractors, uh, bl- bloated contracts. And so, what, once that's all done, he's going to go again to visit Bao Yu, who is again not going to be around. Uh, is it this time that he is visiting the Prince of uh, Beijing that we mentioned? I think it was in chapter. 14? Back in chapter fourteen, yeah, yeah, um, it is. So exactly, he spent the day with this. If we remember, at the time of the funeral of Qian Shi in chapter fourteen, during the funeral procession, <coughs> they um, they meet the prince of Beijing, who is this, um, yeah, he's a kind of royal prince of very high standing. So he's doing them a great kind of uh, honor, I suppose, by attending the the funeral procession. Um, and he really wants to meet Bao Yu because he's heard a lot about this kind of special young man. Um, and they get chatting. And the, yeah, the prince makes him an offer to feel free to come around and, and spend some time together. And so it looks like he's finally taken him up on that offer. Um, and so I guess he snubbed Jiayun for the second time now. Um, but kind of unknowingly, really. I mean, he's... Yeah, not not maliciously. He seems to be yeah. that kind of chaotic character who, yeah, exactly. He just, yeah, is di- disorganized, I suppose, and, and constantly distracted by uh, new and exciting things. I still kind of think of him occasionally as sort of like a like a Homer Simpson character, and and I guess Jiayun would be like Frank Grimes, <laughs> who's like hustling and living uh, both yeah. above and below. Uh, a bowling alley, <laughs> you know. We shall have to identify other different characters as people from The Simpsons as well. And so basically, here the story turns to uh, Bao Yu, finally. Um, and it's going to be kind of a, a reversal in the sense that now it's going to be kind of a rare moment where Bao Yu is at home and he's more or less um, unattended by maidservants or of any kind, right? Uh, it's just kind of one of these like sort of uh, chance occurrences. Um, uh, Aroma has been, you know, she's helping Bao Chai 
do some kind of embroidery. Um, Ripple and Emerald have gone off to get water. Um, mm-hmm. Skybright is home for a cousin's birthday. Musk is away ill, and so on and so forth. Uh, and so and so, Bao Yu he wants to get tea, and and he's just yeah. like tea, yeah, so. please tea, but no, nobody's around. To, and so he's kind of like at a loss for what to do. Um, yes, yeah. Again, like really funny, kind of a maybe a, a like a, a subtle critique of his character. Is kind of he's he's become sort of so coddled. He's almost useless. He's completely uh, helpless. Yeah, 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 helpless. It, yeah, it, exactly. It's 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 like a kind of laughable, ridiculous image of like the <laughs> rich person who suddenly requires to do basic tasks themselves and is completely unable to do them. Um, Although ironically, a few of the older. Uh, maids come yeah i think they're kind of like they're like old they're kind of like old cleaning ladies that's something uh-huh. like something like that but this this is offensive to him hmm. uh like if it's not served by like a beautiful young lady it's not it's like not tea for him it doesn't count and it's at this moment where he sort of he uh it's his first meeting the same maid that we mentioned uh, earlier in the chapter uh, crimson and just as uh, kind of we get the sense that Zhao Yun looks her over, he uh, does likewise, right? Um, and so we get another description of her sort of um, her appearance, kind of wearing fairly yeah. um, unremarkable clothing, but uh, still having a kind of natural grace and apparently very nice hair. It, yeah, it's, my notes on this section say all a bit male gaze-y. Um like yes. you know, um, uh, there's a very particular. Um, yeah, it's a bit a bit too much like sizing up, uh, like seeing the. You can imagine like a mental scorecard being like. Yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah. What do we learn about her? She's, um, sh- she's kind of dressed simply in um, clothing that's not shabby, but it's far from far from new. It's a. Uh, it's the phrase we've seen before, ban uh, so half new, not old um, clothing, um, which was previously used to refer to clothing worn by Bao Chai, right. uh, his, his cousin and, and love interest, who, who's presented as, I guess, kind of... Back in chapter uh, nine, right? Yeah, she she's presented as, a, as kind of like good housewifely kind of character for being dressed kind of simply, you know, plainly. Without adornment, right? Um, but still, still appealing in a kind of um, unassuming way, let's say. Um, and she has this crow black hair, so hey ya ya, so literally crow black, right? And she has her, the kind of hair on her temples. It says is kind of curled up, yeah. tied up somehow. Um, in, in the hawks, he renters, yeah, yeah. It's done up in a simple bun. As you said, he's very obsessed uh, with the, the hair. F- the, f- the face is rather long and slim. Long and long and thin, the build slender. Uh, overall appearance of a tidy, clean, graceful person. So she has grace. That's important. Um, <laughs> mm. uh, you know, I, I was kind of thinking at this moment that yeah, we kind of mentioned that. Uh, about to tell him that uh, yesterday a gentleman by the name of Yun came to see him, uh, and so. We will recall that uh, his his studio is named 
Zhang Yun. What's it called? Zhong Yun Shen. Is that right? Uh, Shen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Zhang yeah. uh, Yun Shen. And so he, the uh, Hawks translates that as what, like Red Rue Studio. Yeah, Red Rue Study. Um, Red Rue Study, yeah. And, and so I was thinking, wait, is this some kind of like subtle, is this a coincidence or is there kind of like, so like, it's like as if an actual, the, you know, the actual Yun, uh, the actual Ru uh, visited the Red Ru study, mm. right? And we also remember a few chapters back that there was a maid whose name was changed uh, first by Shiren and later by Bao Yu. And her final name being uh, uh, Suar, uh, four. Number four, yeah, number yeah, four, yeah. number four. But she, you're right. She uh, had been called Yunxiang. So and she'd been called Yunxiang. Yeah. Um, so what do you think about? I, I wonder if there is a kind of subtle symbolism going on. Yeah. There. Although I don't know what to make of it. I agree. It's remarkably coincidental that his the name of his study, the name of this character Jia Yun, and the name of the maid uh, Yunxiang, es- all you know, especially if. Uh, in a moment, we're going to see maybe a possible um, something developing between uh, Jiayun and Xiao Hong mm-hmm. and Crimson, mm-hmm. right? And so the, again, the Crimson and you know that's similar to uh, the Zhang. So I, I don't and know. And should we see them somehow as like a parallel, like a poorer parallel of Bao Yu and Dai Yu? Maybe, yeah. Because, but because we know that she has to change her name as well, right? Crimson. Xiao Hong used to be called uh well her surname is Lin, just like Lin Daiyu. But whereas Daiyu is black jade, Xiao Hong was originally called Hong Yu, so red jade. Right. So they have a very, very similar name. So I, I think it's you know I, I think you're right to draw the parallel. It's more than purely coincidental. So yeah, this chapter maybe it is sort of like uh yeah, we have like an alternate hero. Uh, with mm. an alternate uh, love interest, and everything's kind of it is this comparison, yeah. Yeah, and I think that you're you're right. He's Jia Yun is I think presented in a kind of heroic way, right? He, I mean, he's he's definitely good coded, um, even though he's in a way kind of rather like scheming. Uh, it's not presented as a negative character trait. Mm-hmm. He's he's neutral, maybe. Yeah, yeah. He's he's not as bad as uh, Jia Ray. Who also kind of was like searching for uh, Shivang, you know, also kind of like mm. perched himself strategically on her route, but uh, you know, searching for a job in order to pay back a loan shark is a lot different than uh, <laughs> you know trying to have sex with your cousin. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, if we're gonna compare their morality, it's pretty clear, I think. Um, so she's just been telling him, she, you know, she's interrupted to help him make the tea. They've spoken a little and and Bao Yu says you know how come I've never seen you before and she says oh well you know there's lots that you don't see there's lots that kind of goes on behind the scenes and she's I think of her as back of house um in the way that um you know in a restaurant for example you might see the staff out the front all the wait staff but you might not see everyone in the kitchen in the back um working away and mm-hmm. and you know the you know the chefs and the kitchen porters and and everyone else and i think that and you know often yeah often the people in the kitchen are, are 
like lower status even in that mm. establishment, right? And so sometimes like the uh, the worst form of labor is the most invisible. Oh yeah, definitely, uh, definitely. Well, well, my experience was always that like KP kitchen porter, the one who just like wash the dishes and do all of the kind of uh, like odd jobs around the kitchen was yeah, normally the mm -hmm. lowest. Like doing the most but pay the least kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, she says she's kind of back of house. That's why he never sees her. But she's just one of many that he maybe doesn't know. Um, and so, I think it just kind of builds the sense that the garden is a kind of elaborate theatre. You know, they assume that they're just living in the ordinary world, but actually, it's a grand, yeah, performance. You need a lot of people to sweep no. Epcot. <laughs> you know, you need all kinds of yeah. like laborers probably in the middle of the night, yeah. uh, going around and polishing the. Uh, whatever they have in Epcot. Um, and so it's at this moment when Ripple and... Emerald. Emerald. <laughs> struggling for who's who. Um, return. And they're... They, they kind of like freak out, basically. Yeah, so they're front um, of house. They are very much front of house mates. Yes. And yeah. what had happened is they went off to get water for Bayou's bath, basically. Um and so that's presumably taken them a while, um, particularly because they're carrying this heavy tub full of water on the way back. And yeah, they're, you know, um, um, each of them held the bucket by one hand and lifted her skirts up with the other. They were staggering under the unaccustomed weight and slopping a good deal of the water about as they went. And they're kind of giggling. Giggles have given way to recrimination. You know, one of them saying, you've soaked my clothes, and the other saying, you stood on my foot, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's a it's a funny scene, to be honest. Um, but then all of a sudden they're just shocked that, uh, they see, you know, of all people, this, you know, in their eyes, unworthy maid, uh, mm -hmm. emerging from the inner chambers. Uh, and they almost immediately start, uh, sort of asking accusative questions and just downright berating her. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a sense of this kind of like verbal pummeling. Um, yeah. like they, there's a phrase in the Chinese which is um, Aran ni yi ju, wo yi ju. Uh -huh. so Aran means the two of them the two people yeah, like trading, I take a sentence you take a sentence trading you know. punches exactly I get the impression that like in verbal terms yeah one of them's punching while the other one's holding her arms mm -hmm. um. <laughs> yeah more or less yeah and, and, they're, and they're basically like who do you think you are you think you're good enough to be you know uh, waiting on you know, Pao Yu, yeah. are you kidding yourself? Look in the mirror. <laughs> yeah. There's this kind of like uh, amazing line. Um, and so that goes on for like a, a, a little while. There's a sense that it would go on even further, except they're interrupted by a uh, a messenger with a message from uh, Shivang, mm -hmm. basically about, you know, you know, don't hang the clothes up in the, in the garden because... A guy, a, a young man is going to come by and uh, he's going to be planting trees. And so, of course, it's a reference to uh, Jia Yun. And so, and so Crimson hears this as well. And she's kind of, um, she has sort of a, maybe like a bit of a flight of fancy. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. At the same time, she's kind of um, recovering from being attacked, more or less. And she feels the sense of like, she like no that many others is is fairly ambitious um but her ambitions are frustrated by the 
the time in which she lives and the specific circumstances she's in, right? So she comes from... It says her family had been retainers in the Jia family for generations, but they are still very much servant class. Which is amazing if you think about it, like uh, understanding the society. So it's not only that you're serving family, but your your family has a like a, a long history of serving this family. It's, I mean, yeah. when people talk about you know like like feng jian shui, I mean like like feudal society, it's always a little mm. bit um, scoffed at. You know, and everyone's quick to be like, well, actually, according to my favorite sociologist, yada, yada, yada. But like, I mean, come on. I mean, <laughs> I mean yeah. it's not sometimes, you know, sometimes the shoe doesn't fit perfectly, but you can still walk in it. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, I, I completely agree. I, like, let's be real. Like bizarre and baffling to me, the idea that you would. Yeah. It's you. Your inheritance is to be a servant. Uh huh. Same as your parents. And maybe that's parents. an honor. Even it's kind of like that's the, the best option probably right like that's that's in lieu of uh like backbreaking uh like agricultural work yeah right yeah and and so she um she as you said had been um tasked with looking after the the garden when it was unoccupied um and now that Bao Yu and others have moved in with all of their serving stuff she's now yeah in this kind of back of house role and it says that although she's kind of perhaps not that worldly on it, she's she's kind of inexperienced, but she's also um, described as Ji Fen Rong Mao. So she has somewhat a, like an attractive appearance, um, and she also Xin Nei Bian Xiang Shang Pan Gao. So in her heart, she wished to climb upwards you know mm-hmm. she has this real desire to um mm-hmm. ascend um socially if at all possible and so the other maids attacking her entirely um they're, they're not imagining things this is mm-hmm. actually probably part of her motivation in that moment uh yeah. even though she also seems to have an eye out for uh Jiayun, because it's Jiayun who appears in her the final scene, which mm. um, we, we can describe it in, let's just say right now that it's a dream, right? <laughs> Is that all right? Okay, that's kind of, I, I just ruined the cliffhanger, so maybe, <laughs> I'm sorry if you like, if you somehow only read there, you stopped. <laughs> it's not much of a cliffhanger, is it? Yeah. Um, yeah. But, and so the, the, a final, which is great because we haven't seen any of the, like I mentioned at the beginning, we haven't, we haven't seen any of these more dreamlike elements in this chapter at all. There's also been no poetry. Uh, But at the very end, you see kind of a dream that's, as dreams are apt to be, based on, in part, you know, one's desires, you know, wish fulfillment, and in part on the events of the preceding day. Um, So it's kind of another another angle on, you know, understanding dreams and representing dreams in literature. And so what's the desire here? Oh, well... That's how about we first describe the dream and then we can, you know, like psychoanalyze it. <laughs> um, yeah. And so she, she returned to her room. She has a feeling of kind of frustration and resentment, uh, not entirely dissimilar to Jiayun's uh, feelings after, uh, you know, his first return to, after his first um, offering 
Shifong the gift. Maybe that would be a nice kind of parallel to draw. And, and so mm. she's in her room. She's, she's thinking, kind of, she's pondering in bed. Uh, and so you have this transitional moment. Then she hears a voice outside her window. And it's like, you know, uh, Crimson, I found your, ha- I found your handkerchief. And she goes, she goes to the window. She looks to her surprise. It's Jiayun. And, you know, it, there's a sense of kind of, um, maybe shame here, a little bit of like, you, you could imagine her, maybe her cheeks crimson as it were. And, and she's like, well, where did you find it? And then in the dream, he kind of taunts her and he, he, he tries to like lead her out, you know, using the, uh, you know, the, the handkerchief. Yeah. Um, and uh, she, she tries to run away. He takes hold of her dress. Uh, she tries to flee some more. And interestingly, her, her foot catches on the threshold. Uh, so she, she's, she, she stumbles in this liminal space. <laughs> and she falls down. Yeah. She trips and falls. Yeah, she trips and falls through the threshold. Right, and, and so that's kind of that's where the the, the dream ends. Maybe you can imagine mm-hmm. her kind of um, uh, like waking with a start. Uh, yeah, it's just like those times when you're f- just falling off to sleep, and you imagine that you like, you know, step off a curb or something, or fall down the stairs, and suddenly you spring away. Yeah, um, right. Or maybe you like you kind of shift in bed violently. Um, that's actually a common a common thing. I, I've had a lot of dreams where I'm like, everything's going fine, then all of a sudden, like walking becomes kind of strange. I, I think that's a, like a very mm-hmm. common dream phenomenon. Something about like our bodies get confused sometimes. <laughs> uh, I think it's because yeah, like all, all of your muscles are at rest, right? So yeah. So if you think if you think about dreaming, maybe if, yeah, if it gets too reflexive, <laughs> you know. Um, so that's where the chapter ends. That's where the chapter ends, yeah. And so there's a, she has these sexual feelings for Jia Yun, but perhaps there's a, there's maybe a confusion about it because I, uh, well, I don't know. I guess he's of very low status compared to someone like Bao Yu, who is kind of the ticket to the big time. Um, right. Uh, yeah. So maybe it's unclear whether she has, you know, immediately whether her intentions are simply to become uh, Bao Yu's maid or something more, or whether even you can really fully, given what we've seen so far, you could even fully uh, make that distinction, right? It's almost the same thing. But yeah, so maybe, I guess, I guess Jia Yun's status, social status, would be maybe slightly higher than hers. Uh, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely higher than hers, but, but perhaps not the highest that she's aiming for. Maybe okay, especially if she has you know yeah, big aspirations. Let's say one thing that was interesting to me about this dream is that she dreams that he's found her handkerchief, and her handkerchief is in fact missing. But we don't know that yet. You know, we only find that out in the subsequent chapter, don't we? Um, and so she's dreaming about something, and the dream is itself, um, either a kind of, um foreshadowing of something that's going to happen or the kind of um the realization of something that she previously only known subconsciously i guess right um so maybe there's different um, ways to interpret it right 
yeah, maybe in the dream she discovers that the handkerchief is missing and she'd only known that on some subconscious level. And maybe that kind of mirrors the fact that in the dream she realizes she has these sexual feelings for Jiayun, but which is, you know, which was something she'd only... That's a good point. You um, know, we can imagine it as like a multi-layered thing where like, it's. I think it's common in dreams. If, you know, if you forgot something during the day, sometimes that thought will in the dream... And it'll be a way to like kind of uh, to remind you almost. Maybe even you'll like wake up as a consequence of like, you know, the dream thought will be like you should wake up because you you left the uh, you left the stove on or something, you know. And that 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 thought that danger will actually like emerge in the dream. Maybe at first mm-hmm. in a symbolic form, and then maybe more more or less like explicit, just depending on the on the circumstance. And so you can imagine that maybe she actually was worried about this mm-hmm. missing handkerchief during the day, or maybe she had a sense that she lost it, but she wasn't consciously aware of that. Or maybe it's the author just trying to do some kind of like magic, like kind of uh, foreshadowing through kind of uh, an interpretation of dreams as these kind of like mystical events that foreshadow the future like we've seen as as well it's 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 i think it's well done because it is ambiguous and so you can it kind of no one interpretation uh like uh eliminates the other interpretations and so it it creates a kind of overflowing uh effect giving you a little more to think about more to ruminate Mm -hmm. on um and and also the handkerchief is a very intimate, almost I, I would say, sexual item. Yeah, uh, exactly. It, it definitely has a symbolic significance because it's, you know, even though it's not like a pair of a pair of underwear, for example, it's right, something but that it's, you. It's really close, though. You keep right? it very close to yourself. It normally bears your, like the natural smell of your body. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. even like your your basically your internal fluids. <laughs> or in contact with it, yeah. You know, it's basically a, a displaced Nothing sexier form. than dry snot. Um. Well, I mean, part of well, oh, part I'm of kidding, the part of the disgust of you know seeing like someone, especially someone you don't know, you don't really know very well, or who someone who like in general kind of disgusts you to see someone like produce their handkerchief all of a sudden and it's been used before. It's it's shocking because it is so weirdly intimate. Uh, even something like a, a like a worn T-shirt, you know, if if that's of like a of like a like a lover or something, that would be like that. That's similar to a kind of musk, to be honest, which we which we've also seen in this chapter. So that kind of that kind of brings it all around, maybe. Um, <laughs> I don't know if this this conversation no. is too no. Uh, I think it's explicit good. for I people. Think it's good. Um, <laughs> our yeah, our our audience can handle. Um, <laughs> deep uh, psychoanalytical yeah. treatments of the of um, the text. Um, <laughs> so okay, so how about just yeah? I, I liked it. I thought this was an interesting chapter, kind of a, a change of pace. Um, and yeah, we're we're definitely. I mean, that's the chapter twenty four done. So we're we're now two tenths. We're 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 that's another milestone, you know. Um, and and in fairness, the next chapter is. Uh, very exciting, you know. There's there's some real serious business going on, right? Yeah, something, uh, maybe a little, a little bit of I want to say 
probably incorrectly, like a little bit of science fiction, a little bit of uh, the the mystical returns. Um, a little, certainly disturbing um, and unreal. And so that's maybe a nice antidote to this chapter where we are, you know, like uh, warily, you know, uh, tracing the the ledgers and the the account statements of uh, of transactional yeah. relationships. Um, so how about we end? How about we end it there? What do you think? Sounds good. Um, so thank you again for listening to another, hopefully. Uh, engaging and exciting installation of rereading the stone uh as always be sure to check us out on facebook and on twitter uh, on twitter we're at rereading stone on facebook it's facebook.com slash rereading the stone uh be sure to uh subscribe on your favorite podcasting app and uh be sure to leave a a rating or maybe even a review would be nice just the way the algorithm works the more kind of attention we get uh the, the easier it will be for other uh just you know random uh podcast listeners to to find to uh locate us in the algorithm so give us that um that non-transactional gift we'd really appreciate it um We'll see you next time for chapter 25 of, of, of this novel. Uh, bye-bye. Bye-bye.